So I want to continue this series, um, and uh, I want to go to Matthew chapter 2. It's been our text. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem. And they asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. If you've been around the last couple of weeks, you know that we've been talking about our approach to God, how we worship, but if we see him rightly, worship is automatic. This, this is what the wise men, the wise men's intent in finding Jesus was not to receive from him, but to give to him, which is the posture for all of us as of worship is that we're not trying to get something from God, we're trying to give something to God. That when God sent Jesus, that was the greatest gift of all time, he sent his son Jesus to die for our sins so that we could be saved, and to our entire life, if God didn't do another thing for us, he's already done enough. For people that are always getting angry at God, sometimes it's a lack of perspective of seeing what he's already, already done for us. And uh, we found this to be true. If I see him clearly, then my worship becomes easy. I don't have to conjure up worship when I see him for who he is. The, the wise men said he's king, and we've come to worship him. If you, how you see him determines how, if, and when you worship him. If you see him as king, if you see him as Lord, if you see him as savior, it determines how, when, and if you worship him. We've talked about this, but worship, if you didn't know this, worship is not a song. Worship is not a style. Worship is not a service. Worship is not a show. We, didn't, we, don't, we don't come and attend worship, even though we talk about a worship service. So we, 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 we come in worship to give. We come to give something to God. That's what really worship is, is that we're coming and we're giving him our attention. Worship is synonymous with attention. Right, right. You, you, you will worship whatever you give your attention to. You give your attention. It says when they saw him or they, they went to find the king, they came to worship him. Let me just ask you this, and this is true of all of us. There's a lot of things that compete for the throne of our lives. I mean, just, just, it doesn't have to be bad things. There's good things that compete for the throne. This is a busy season. And, and there's things that compete to be on the throne of our lives and to reign as king. We, whoever you see as king, you give your attention, your time, your allegiance, and ultimately, you give your worship to. Years ago when uh, Jamie and I, we were just dating, and um, there haven't been too many times that uh, I wanted to break up with Jamie when we were dating. Actually, there was only one. And I'll tell you about it. Uh, there's probably multiple for her, but um, we're not talking about that today. We're just talking about the, the one time for me. And uh, we, she, her family had a family dog by the name of Kona. And, and um, I'm kind of just one of those guys that believe animals should be outside and people should be inside. And um, that's, just, that's just me. Please don't throw anything. Um, that's just my, that's, you know, I just, anyways. Um, so I, I had a bad experience with a dog when I was, I was young. I had a paper out and um, can't talk about it right now. It's still too fresh. And uh, so I'm a little leery. I'm just always, you know, just checking the surroundings. I never know. And, uh, but this dog was amazing. He was a golden retriever. His name was Kona. And uh, their family loved this dog. And um, like, I'm just part of the family. Like bed, kitchen, whatever. It's, it's fine. Like he's a part of the family. And so I was getting used to that fact. And um, Jamie and I were outside in her outside in her yard at her parents' house in the hammock, being pure. <laughs> just 
just there. And, and um, I, ha- I had taken my hat off and put it on the ground. And um, I-, I think, like, Conan and I got along, but I think he kind of, he, he didn't like, I don't know, maybe felt like I was an intrusion to the family or something. And, and, and every once in a while, we would just catch eyes, me and this dog. And it was kind of like, he's just letting me know he was in charge. And I was like, well, I don't even live here, man. I'm just here to visit and to steal someone from you. But, and I think maybe he knew that. And so I, we, I got out of the hammock. I was about to go home, and I couldn't find my hat. And I came around the corner in the yard, and it had been shredded. Literally, he chewed my favorite hat to pieces. I mean, just uh, pieces of it. I, mean, I didn't even know you could do that with a hat. And I'm thinking, what, Jamie, your dog... Just like, what, what is this? Like, we're having turf wars for Jamie's heart with a golden retriever. And uh, so we, 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 we made up, and, uh, and I won. So um, that's, that's good. I lost the hat, but I won Jamie, so that's, that's good. Uh, you, you know, I was thinking about this week, though. That there is a turf war for the attention and the worship of your heart. I don't know if you know this or not, but there is, there is complete war being waged upon your mind, your thoughts, your attention, your allegiance, and ultimately your worship. There is a battle that is being waged over the attention of your heart being given to God. So this really is the question, who is the king of your life? Who is the king of our heart? Who is the king of our home? Who is the king of our marriage? Who is the king of our children? Who's the king of our church? Who, Who reigns supreme? Who gets our worship? Who gets our attention? Luke chapter 2, we read part of it, but it's interesting. In verse 10, it says this, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. This is probably, and we've read this so many times during Christmas time, that sometimes we skip over it and we lose the power of it. But I want you to really look at this. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. I'm just going to tell you, when God brings you good news, it's a good day. He says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Good news that's going to cause great joy. And it says for how many people? All the people. That's a good day. This, this is going to bring some good news that's going to cause great joy for all the people. And sometimes we stop right there, but the next verse actually gives us the key to why and how this happens. It says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And it doesn't stop there. It says, he is the Messiah. He is the, the Lord. He's the Lord. He, he's not just the Savior. He's the Lord. See, for many people, the only revelation of Jesus that we have is Jesus as Savior. Man, I'm in trouble. My life is going downhill. I've sinned. I've messed up. I need a Savior. Jesus, save me. Jesus, help me. But I'm going to tell you this, that when God sent Jesus, it wasn't just to get you to heaven. When he sent Jesus, it was to save you from your sins, but it was also so that God would become, Jesus would become Lord of your life because God has a plan for us while we're here. Otherwise, as soon as we get saved, we might as well just go be with Jesus. If if salvation was the end, if that was the destination, we should just go, go home and be with Jesus right now. So there has to be something that 
is after salvation, and it's this, that Jesus would reign in our lives as our king slash Lord, that he would be the Lord of our lives. I think maybe this will illustrate it. Years ago, Johnny Manziel graduated college, entered the NFL draft. Johnny Football, he was known as. Probably had one of the most amazing college careers of any quarterback I mean, in history, he's, he was incredible, came in, he thought, everyone thought he was, he was the guy that was going to turn the Cleveland Browns around. Sad, there's been a lot of those guys. It's just maybe, they're still looking, maybe, but it's, it's just been a lot. And uh, Johnny Manziel comes in, he's obviously got some personal, some personal problems, he's got some addictions and uh, some, some ups and downs. Uh, it, it ends up, it's a sad story, ESPN's done all kinds of stories on him and his career, but he never lived up to what they thought he would be in the NFL. He was drafted, highly anticipated to do well, but never, it just never made it. I'm going to tell you this. This is, this is kind of how we look at it sometimes. Salvation's kind of like getting drafted. You get drafted, you get drafted, you get drafted, we got drafted. But drafted is not the destination. Drafted is the ability now to operate on another level. Drafted means that I'm just getting started on the career that I've dreamed about all my life. Friends, most people in Christianity stop at salvation. And salvation is great. You need it. We need it. I need it. I need to be saved from my sins. But that is not the end. That is the beginning. That is now setting me up to now serve my Jesus, not just as a Savior, thank you for saving me, but also as a Lord. Then now he reigns over me that every part of my heart and every part of my emotions and every part of my life and every part of my dreams and every part of my future is submitted to him as Lord of my life. Acts chapter 2, verse 36, it says this. It says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus. Now, this is Peter. He's preaching after the day of Pentecost. This is his first message. He's preaching open air to thousands. And he says, I want you to know something about this Jesus. This Jesus that I walked with, this Jesus that I denied, this Jesus that I saw die, this Jesus that I saw raised from the dead. He says, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, let's just look at him, both Lord and Messiah. He's Lord and Savior. He's Lord and Savior. Lord and Savior. Lord and, I, I'm, it's, easy, it's easier to serve Jesus just as Savior. Thank you for saving me. Now I'm going to go live my life my way, the way I want it. No, he's, he's Lord and Savior. Now that you've saved me, my life is submitted to you, and now you are the Lord. See, most people never experience real freedom in Christianity because they only experience Jesus as Savior. You experience salvation by experiencing Jesus as Savior. You experience freedom and deliverance. By experiencing Jesus as Lord. If you want to walk in freedom, you have to understand that he is your Lord and Savior. Either he is Lord of all or not at all. Well, he's Lord of my Sundays. No, no, no. He's Lord of my hour and ten minutes I spend in church. No. He's Lord of my quiet time. No. He's either Lord of all or not at all. It, it, this is an all or nothing commitment. 
Darlene Cunningham, who's the, the wife of the founder uh, of Youth with a Mission, incredible, largest missions organization in the world, she said this about the lordship of Jesus. She says, it's absolutely everything. It means that there is no aspect of my life that he is not lord of. When we have the lordship of Jesus, it shows up in everything we do. You know, you know the reality of this is that we don't have a worship problem. We have a lordship problem. Worship is automatic when he's the Lord of my life. My worship, when I see him for who he is, I see him correctly, I see him rightly. Worship is automatic. That when I see him, you are king. You are Lord. You are the one true God. Then, then worship is something that I can do automatically. How do you know that Jesus is Lord? I'm going to give you a couple things. This is how you know that Jesus is Lord. When you see him as the king rather than a king. He's, he's not just a God. He's not just a way. He is not just an, an option. He, he's the option. He's God and God Almighty. He's God by himself. He's God outside of time and space. He, he's the beginning and the end. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the father to the fatherless. He's the one who takes orphans into families. He is the one who raises up those who have been cast down. He is the one who puts hope inside the heart of the hopeless. He is the one who lifts up those who have been broken down. God. God. He's God Almighty. Powerful. He has no shadow of turning. The Bible says his arm is not short, that he cannot save. Neither is he a liar, Lord, that he cannot tell the truth. He, whatever he speaks comes to pass. In fact, Jeremiah says he's watching over his word to see that it is fulfilled. The Bible teaches us that not one word from his Bible, from this word of God, will fall to the ground and not be fulfilled. This God, when we see him that way as the king, that's when you start knowing this guy might be the Lord of my life. We learn this is that God is omniscient, which means he's, he's all-knowing. God is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. And this is really the meaning of Christmas, is that he's here with us. He's, he's, he's with omnipresent. He's, he's with us all God sent Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us. You have a God that loves you and that is all-powerful, that is all-knowing, which means he knows my weakness. He knows my ups. He knows my downs. He knows my difficulties. He knows my strength. He's all-powerful, which means no matter how far I've fallen, no matter what kind of mess I've made, he's strong enough to get me out, but he's also omnipresent that no matter how far I've ran or no matter how far I've fallen, I'm not by myself. He's, he's with me. He's with me. He's not a God or a way. He's the God and the way. You know Jesus is Lord. We know Jesus is Lord when we seek to honor him rather than fulfill our own desires. When we seek to honor him rather than to fulfill our own desires. When he's Lord, you consider him in everything that you do. That everything you do, you, you, you check with. Now, I don't know if you ever did this, but growing up, like if we were ever going to leave the house, we had to check with my mom and dad. Like we could go, but we had to check in first. Like, hey, just check in. We're leaving because they don't want to be like, where our kids go? We had five kids. You know, it's like, you got to keep track. And uh, it's like, maybe we, that's why we only had two. It's less, less work. It's just, uh, 
I saw my parents and it was scary. And just joking, we had a great family. Hi, mom. She's watching. Check, check in. When he's Lord of your life, you check in. Before you make a decision, before you buy the next house, before you move, before you, you're checking in. Why? Because you're recognizing that there is an authority, a knowledge, and a power that's greater than you. You are giving him your attention. You're giving him your, your worship. Your worship, I'm checking in. He's Lord of my life. When he's Lord, you consider him. This is what, this is what Jesus said. He said, deny yourself. This is not popular preaching. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. I, I wonder if that some people that maybe haven't gotten all that they wanted out of the Christian experience is because they had a one-time salvation experience, but they never learned how to walk day in and day out as him being Lord. When he's the Lord of your life, he directs your steps. In fact, the Bible teaches us this. If you commit your way to the Lord, he will direct your steps. He'll direct your steps. He'll tell you which way to go. He'll lead you. He says, his word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. He guides me and leads me. When he's Lord, when, when he's Lord, when, when I submit to him and trust him, which is number three, when we know Jesus is Lord, we know Jesus is Lord when we trust him rather than ourselves. We know he's Lord when he's our first response and not our last resort. You know he's really established kingship. He's established on the throne of your life. When something happens, and you go to God. Something bad happens, and you go to God. Something good happens, and you go to God. No matter what it is, we go to God. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. When we trust him with our good times and our bad times. Our bad times, sometimes it's easy. Where are you, God? Good times, it's easy to think that we did it on our, did it on our own. But those who have Jesus as Lord and Savior in the good times, faith say, thank you, Lord. And in the bad times, say, thank you, Lord. You give and you take away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the mature believer's posture before God. He said, we're not worshiping you to get something. God, we worship you for who you, for who you are. We trust you. Whoever gets my attention gets my allegiance. And whoever gets my allegiance gets my worship. And that's why the enemy will fight to get your attention. Because if he can get your attention, he'll get your allegiance. We always watch out for the bad things. Like, man, don't this and that. But I want to tell you, the way that the enemy sneaks in our lives is by stuff like busyness and stress, and anxiety, and things that we all deal with every day that don't seem bad, but it robs our attention, and it robs our allegiance, inevitably it steals our worship. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says, now this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he says, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as now, this is amazing because Paul is he's writing to the church at Corinth. So he's saying, I want to make sure that you understand what I'm preaching. I'm not just preaching Jesus as Savior. I'm not just preaching Jesus. I'm preaching Jesus Christ as Lord. And then he says, and this is you, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. 
For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So let me say this. Jesus Christ is Lord, is what Paul's saying. Us as his servants and his light shining in us. When Jesus Christ is Lord and I submit to him as his servant, it's a place of humility, then his light begins to shine through me. You know, the, the light of Jesus is supposed to shine through each of us. But that light only shines through people who have made him Lord. Saving you doesn't make your light shine. Him being, lo him being Lord over your... What makes an example to the unbelievers around you? What, what is an example to your family? Not because you prayed a prayer on a Sunday morning and Jesus saved you. We thank God for that. But friends, that's not what makes the light shine. What makes the light shine is before you respond in that way. And before you lash out in anger, you have a Lord that you're checking in with to make sure you respond the right way. And when you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus... It changes the way that you live, so it changes the way that you shine. If he's Lord of my life, he'll be the light of my life. If he's Lord of my life, he'll be the light of my life. How do you let your light shine? Make him the Lord of your life. Oh, it can't be that easy. It's not that easy, but it's really powerful. When he's Lord of your life, everything checks with him. It, you, you check with him. You, you check in. You have relationship. A.W. Tozer says that our relationship with God is much like a human relationship, that it can be deepened and strengthened and grown just as any other relationship can. Did you know your relationship with God is not just is what it is, but it can grow. It can grow. It can deepen. It can be better. 2022, we're going crazy, and we're jumping in the fast. God's going to do so many things, but your relationship with God can grow. It can strengthen and be stronger than you can ever imagine. I don't know if my relationship can ever be like that. Maybe you're asking that question. No, it can. But the first step is you start making him Lord. What does making Jesus Lord of my life mean for me? What does, it, what does it mean for me? One of the things it means is when you don't know what to say, he'll tell you. Isaiah 50 says this. He says, he's given me an instructed tongue that I might know the word of God that sustains the weary. When I don't know what to say, Lord Jesus will tell me what to say. When you can't defend yourself, Psalm 27 says he will fight for you. Scripture declares that our God will fight for us. So when, when Jesus is my Lord, he gives me the words to say, he also defends me. When Jesus is Lord of your life, when the burden feels too heavy, Psalm 55 says he'll carry it for you. What is, what is lordship? We don't serve a God who's looking to be a slave master. We serve a loving heavenly father that says, I know better than you. I have more power than you. I got more strength than you. I have more grace than you. I have more favor than you. I have more provision than you. I have more resources than you. So when I submit to that lordship, I get what he has. I get what he has. People say, oh, I hate that word submit. That word submit is probably one of the most powerful words that you would ever experience in your life when you bow your knee before Jesus. This, this, this is crazy. We talked about this, but the wise men, they came before Jesus 
And we theologians believe this, that Jesus was still a baby when the wise men found him. Like a toddler. I mean, if we had a toddler in the room, we would just bring him up for an example real quick. But can you imagine some of the wisest minds of that day? Searching and coming before Jesus. I mean, he's not even talking. He can't even say frankincense. But they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and these wise men bow their knee and offer gifts. Why? Because they saw who he was. That even to a baby, they could submit their life and their heart and humble themselves. You know what Jesus said when, he, when we talked about how to, how to come to Jesus? He says, come as a little child. Come as a child. Come before God. As a, what is that childlike faith? When we get old, we get so wise and so mature and so religious. Sometimes we just need to shake all that off and become like a child again. Just say, okay, I submit. You know better. You have more. You've been around longer. I can trust you. I can trust you. Jesus as Lord. When you don't know what to say, when you can't defend yourself, when the burden feels too heavy, Jesus our Lord watches over. We're going to go into a time of lighting the candles here in a second. But I, I want to tell you why, because candlelight service is kind of a thing you do around Christmas, and we've always done it. But I want, you, I want to make sure you know what the light means. Because we could say it means a lot of different things, but I want to give you some scriptures to kind of help you see that there's more than just getting taking a pretty picture in a minute with everybody with their candles up, which we'll do. There's more than that. Isaiah Chapter 9 begins to prophesy. Isaiah is prophesying, verse 2. He says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This is what Isaiah begins to prophesy of a light that was coming to humanity, that humanity was lost, that humanity was broken, but a light was coming. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, a couple verses later, he says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, listen to what his names are, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. This is the light. When Jesus came into the world, it was the fulfillment of prophecy that in the dark place of humanity, that a light had now shown that we forever would have the light of Jesus that would shine in us and through us. In fact, we are to be the light of Jesus to this dark and desperate world. And it happens by submitting to the Lordship of Jesus. Jesus.